This is ASI episode 22. Get in, sit down, shut the door, alright? Buckle up. Yeah, yeah, buckle up, alright? It's, it's go for a ride, alright? My name is Rush Shaw. What does it mean to touch? Russ Shaw. The website is asi247.org. If you want to download any of the music you hear on the podcast, the bumper music, in order to keep my nose clean with the R-I-A-A or the A-I-R, I don't know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> recording artists industry. Um, I play bumper music and I promote bumper music, right? And then you go to the website and you can download it right there on the website, asi247.org. You click on the music tab. Uh, you can buy that song on Google Play or Amazon or iTunes, whatever you want to do. Boom, got that out of the way, all right? Some of the legal stuff. If you want to uh, send me an email, it's russ at asi247.org is my email address. How you doing? I just got back from vacation. Uh, it was awesome. I couldn't really afford it, but I did it anyway. Uh, I was really convicted by, you know, doing those Decalogue shows and really studying out the fourth commandment, what it means to Sabbath, you know, and it's a commandment, right? And this is not just taking a day off on Sunday, all right? This is also taking some time, right, being on vacation, some time to plan, you know, set aside some energy to p put a vacation together and then take it, right? And when you're on vacation, you get to be, right? I mean, that's kind of part of this whole deal is, is being and not doing for a week or whatever. We did go to Disneyland, you know, that was some doing involved there. Yeah, the kids went when they were little, so it was kind of cool to go with the kids again. Now that they're older and grown up pretty much, my son's 17, you know, they can kind of go off and, and do their own thing a little bit, which is, which is fun. It's a lot less work going to Disneyland when your kids are, you know, older and, and not five. <laughs> you know, the happiest place on earth, right? Uh, anyway, 
happier, you know, <laughs> my daughter who's 22, my son's 17. So yeah, it was kind of cool. It was just different, different season of life, you know, going there, hanging out with the kids and, and being, <laughs> you know, there's no screaming, yelling, less of that, right? Um, anyway, first time in like three years for me that I actually took a, a vacation that was more than, you know, a few days. So it was good. So I learned once again, right, being obedient to that fourth commandment actually brings more life. And it's, it wasn't easy, you know. Well, my the control freak in me was, oh, I can't afford it, you know. What's my, what's going to happen with my business? And, and, and it's just letting go and all right, I'm going to. I'm going to do this, go on vacation. So letting go, being obedient isn't a, right? Like God's not after your begrudging submission. He's after your long-term joy. That's uh, one of those things I experienced with uh, with this little trip here. So anyway, if you haven't taken a vacation, man, take a vacation. Of course you can't afford it. Of course things are going to, you know, uh, you may have more work to do when you get back. All right, that's true. But but do that, all right? It's good for you. Anyway, uh, getting into the show today, touch, right? For me, behind my eyes, you know, in my story, didn't really think about this topic too much. What what does touch mean? You know, who, who dwells on that, right? I should have been dwelling on it more as a guy who had some, right, recovery issues and substance abuse challenges, right? Stuff like that. But it was never brought to me. Um, the last few shows, I talked about subjective and objective, right? A little bit of philosophy, as well as a little bit of neuroscience, you know? Some of this new science on the deep brain, or what evolutionary biologists called the lizard brain, right? The temporal lobe, the amygdala, where our emotions kind of pulse through and pull us down this stream towards what we desire. Touch and desire are, are a pretty cool way of bringing, you know, bringing the bottleneck down to focus on a certain point. Freud would say we're all just animals, savages with some kind of, you know, deep suppressed sexual desire that we're pushing back. And that's why we have all these different issues that somehow sexual arousal has us wanting to touch and be touched, you know? Is that the core of it? Well, science has pretty much uh, said no. <laughs> That's not to go into I could do a whole uh, hour on that right there. But um, Freud, right, Freud, older, back, you know, and a lot of this is theory. A lot of these studies, yes, are based on theory, but that we can pretty much prove, you know, there's deeper desires than just your sexual appetite. But it's building those deeper desires that can and do, you know, change things. See, the Freudian psychologist has a point, right? When you're giving yourself over to sexual desire, this level two area, it's habit-forming. It is addictive. 
That's where we start to see that, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do what I'm doing up here on the surface. I keep repeating unwanted behaviors, okay? that's I was there, man. I get that. And that's something I also teach in the show as a strategy is realizing arousal. Okay, behind your eyes. What are you aroused by? Because before you go bite the hook of the sexual, unwanted, you know, risky sexual behavior, using pornography, whatever it is, before you bite that hook, something arouses you first. Um, being mindful of that is important. There's actually a term in social science called the misattribution of arousal which kind of points to some of this stuff. Why, why do we touch and why do we want to be touched? Um, through a lot of my studies doing this podcast over the years and really getting into, you know, listening to some lectures, trying to get some books in me and understand psychology, theology, right? What, what is this? What are we driven by? Why do people do what they do? Why do I, why did, why did I do what I did? Right? Stuff like that. Getting into, to studying this stuff. And, and I talked about this before, but the three layers of our identity, you know, and just as a, a quick nutshell um, picture of that. I do plan on, on putting out a book sometime. I want to get this on paper. If I could get it out of my, my scattered brain and, and organize it, <laughs> it might be a good read. Um, but check this out. Like the first layer being your surface identity, right? Like that's the person you see. It's the information on your Facebook page, right? Where you went to college, uh, what you look like, uh, who you're married to, these, these things that are on the surface that we see, right? The stuff that your, your height, weight, eye color, you know, uh, sex, right? Race, wh whatever. This is all surface level identity. Layer two is a lot of what I talked about in the last few shows with subjective and objective, right? And, and how we perceive the world. And this has to do with that, right? With your brain, with your, your fleshy, right? That computer up on top of your shoulders known as your brain. It's not just the things you know, it's the things you feel. And a lot of what we're driven by, a lot of what we're driven by, not all, but a lot is just based on that fleshy piece of stuff <laughs> on your shoulders, all right? And that is a lot of this psychology stuff and a lot of what I talked about with the temporal lobe and us being driven emotionally and some of Freud's stuff on how we're, we're savage animals chasing wildebeest across the... You know what I'm saying, right? I mean, this is, this is layer two. You sit down with a lot of atheist psychologists and they're going to just get into layer two, all right? You go and you get some medication to help with anxiety or depression or whatever it is because there's some kind of chemical imbalance in your mind that is dealing with layer two. Layer three is spirit, that we are a spirit with a body. And this is where I would part ways with a lot of evolutionary biologists, psychologists, right? That we are, we are spiritual beings, man. We are deeper than just our animal lusts. We are deeper than our desires, right? That are just for the things that this, this body craves and needs to survive. We're deeper than that stuff. Underneath that, 
We are a spirit with a body. We're all going to die, all right? Death is coming for you. It's coming for me. It's coming for all of us. Albert Einstein, who arguably is probably the smartest man who ever lived, um, talked about, you know, studying. I mean, this guy understood energies in a way that most of us do not and will not ever. Um, he said that your energy, your essence, your consciousness cannot just go away like snuffing out a candle. That you will live on, all right? Your consciousness can't be smashed out like that. He said that God didn't play dice, you know, talking about some of these theories on irreducible complexity. That there is purpose and reason for why you and I are here, all right? And that your identity is based on the deepest part of you. You have deep desires for things that are not of this world. You will live on. That's layer three. It's your soul. It's your spirit. It's that deepest part of you. But the first and second layer also can shape and change the third layer and where it resides. It's the deep, right? Your soul, your spirit does not die. They will live on when this computer on top of your shoulders is rotting and turned to worm food. Your soul, your consciousness will continue on. See, there's a part of you and I that doesn't quite feel at home here. You know, it's not just the misfits and the outcasts, but if you're honest at some deep level... You don't really feel like you fit into this world. Some of that's touched on in, in that film, The Matrix, you know. I love this quote, and it so, you know, embraces and, and is showing Neo what it means to be invited into this third level world, right? Check this out. This is uh, from the, the Matrix. Uh, this is Morpheus speaking to Neo. Let me tell you why you're here. I'm going to reiterate this for ASI listeners, by the way, all right? You're here, right? Part the, the, the addiction owns you. You don't own it. It's part of why you're listening, right? I love this line. You're here because you know something. What you know, you can't explain, but you feel it. You've felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. This feeling has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? I've realized over the years that what the world would call addicts, you know, the addicted personality type. What if we're just more spiritually sensitive than most? What if, and this is by the grace of God, that we are more in tune to that third level of our identity than most? It's just a question I'll throw out there. In the definition of touch behind your eyes. What if sexual addiction is just another word for being addicted to second layer touch or first layer touch for that matter, right? You know, touch has is different meanings when you talk to different people. You know, it's like, uh, oh, look at her. I want to touch those, right? I mean, you, you get what I'm saying, right?
lust or the hoarding eyes, the hoarding hands touch. And then you'll speak to people and, and you'll talk to people and getting in groups with people and sharing heart stuff with people. And you'll say something to somebody or somebody will say something to you and you'll be like, wow, that's awesome. I'm touched by that. It, it touches me. It moves me. Down into this pit of dirt and clay, we try to cut off. I've unpacked the three layers. What does it mean to define touch? Um, this goes back to objective intent, all right? Uh, touch is a verb. We talk about objective and subjective. This is where we come in contact with our world. Uh, touch simply means to come in contact with something. Our being comes in contact with what we touch, right? The question is why? Why do we touch it or what why does it touch us? After that line from the Matrix, you know, Morpheus is asking you know, you know why you're here, you, you know what you're looking for, you know, and it, what is your question and he's like, "Well, what is the Matrix?" Neo asks. And this is a really cool I, I love this movie because it deals with some of these deeper spiritual matters, right? The matrix is, is a metaphor, you know. Um, but if you go into the Bible and you read this book called Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is written by a guy, King Solomon, right? Wealthiest guy, probably whoever lived. And this guy threw parties that were epic. I mean, you think that that little kegger you had back in college, you know, with the six kegs and all the girls that showed up. Uh, no, that's like junior varsity compared to this guy. All right. This guy partied hard. So King Solomon, he has prestige, right? I mean, this man has power. This man has wealth. This man has sex, a lot of sex, a lot of women. A lot of influence politically. The, the man was a very powerful. And throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, he keeps saying it was vanity. It was meaningless. It was vexation of spirit. I like that uh, translation from the old King James Version. It goes a little deeper than just saying meaningless or vanity, doesn't it? And he keeps using this term under the sun. These things under the sun. It's like the Matrix, right? I love this line from the Matrix. This is uh, the character Morpheus speaking. He says, The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us, even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window, when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, 
when you pay your taxes. It is the world that's been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Neo says, what truth? And Morpheus says that you were a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, into a prison that you cannot taste or see or touch. A prison for your mind. Cypher in the film is kind of the uh, Judas character, right? The name Cypher, by the way, means less than zero. If you look up the meaning of Cypher, it's like a computer term. It means, uh, you know, minus or below zero. Um, anyway, Cypher is kind of the begrudging religious person, right? The, Cypher decides to, to betray Neo and, and everybody in the, you know, in the team. And he, uh, he joins the other side, basically. And his decision to join the other side is based on, on living in the Matrix. Like, he'd rather live on level two. He would rather find ultimate pleasure, ultimate, you know, meaning whole fullness right he'd rather find the fullness of life in things under the sun you know there's this line where he says all i do is what he tells me he's talking about morpheus right if i choose between this world and the matrix he says i'm gonna choose the matrix it's like Again, that begrudging submission to do what you ought to do because you just do it. I, I don't know, man. There's some of you who, church guys, who you have a hard time with my talks on religion and why I tend to put religion in negative terms. That's why, you know. It's, it's legalism. You're doing it not because you love God, but just to, to be legal about it. And, and that's why I, I love you. I, I want to press on that. It's like an alcoholic. You don't tell a heavy drinker he's an alcoholic. He gets all defensive. Yes, what I'm talking about is legalism. Judas was the most legalistic cat in the bunch. Just, just like the Pharisees, he didn't like what Jesus was doing and you know, ratted him out to the religious elites who, who murdered him, right? I love the story of the, the woman at the well, you know. It's, it's like a scene right out of the Matrix, kind of, <laughs> to me anyway. Jesus meets this woman who, uh, prostituting herself for a place to stay, you know. She's been with five other guys. You know, she's going to draw water in the heat of the afternoon so she isn't seen by other people. You know, that's why she goes there at that time. And Jesus is there, and, and he starts, fires up a conversation with her. And this is really strange, because usually a Jewish man would never talk to, to a woman like that, right? And he tells her, he says, to, to cut the story a little short here, he tells her, he says, um, you I'll give you water, you know, that, that you'll never be thirsty again. I'll show you a well that you can draw from that will never run out, you know. And, and what he's talking about there is, is, is the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God. And it's touching on this economy of love. 
being able to draw from the well of love, right? This economy that, that we so forget about. Desire, you know, I sat in groups and I've heard a lot of guys say this. Why did God have to make sexual desire so strong? Why did he have to do that? You know, like they're mad at God for making sex such a big thing and, and our flesh desiring it so much. And I really had to think about that and maybe that's part of us realizing that we're not in control. That doing sex the way we want to isn't making us happy. It's not bringing fullness. It's not bringing the joy we expected it to. It's not what we thought it was supposed to be. And obeying those commandments, right? Obeying those laws that God set out. Like He's not out destroying everyone. See, sex is such a strong desire. And some of the roots of faith and some of the roots of obedience is even looking at this. And especially in our culture where it looks like, you know, you, you can't, like, the, the sexual ethics of the Bible, you know, don't have sex till you're married, stuff like that. We just look at it as so unrealistic, you know. Abstinence, really? I mean, people scoff at it. Hand out condoms, you know. And I'm not against condoms, right? If you're going to sin, at least be halfway responsible and wear a condom. Okay, that's, that's your, your host speaking at you, all right? But ultimately, real faith in God is being obedient to, yeah, the sexual ethics of the Bible. And, and realizing that God loves you and that's why they're there. Not so he can wreck your fun. Being obedient to God is for our benefit. Seek the truth of your deeper desires, right? Maybe this is part of the rabbit hole for you, that you're sexually addicted, that your behavior controls you and you don't control your behavior. And, and to change that, um, maybe you could crack open the Bible, follow your host here, Russ Shaw, down the rabbit hole, right? I'll show you how far the rabbit hole goes as a reference to Alice in Wonderland, right? This spiritual world underneath this, this land that we see. That we would start to visit, like the woman at the well, right? And be able to draw. She's, she's weary. She's having a hard time in the heat of the afternoon, drawing this water out of this well. And Jesus says, I'll, I'll show you a deeper well, right? I'll show you a deeper well to draw from. A bank account that doesn't run out because its equity is love. Are you going to chase deeper desire? C.S. Lewis, right? He's, he, says, he says, it's not that we desire too much. It's not that we should just get rid of our desires. He says it's that we don't desire enough. We don't desire enough. The sense of touch, right? It's sight to the blind and touch to the, the sexual addict. Reaching through those layers, right? And getting to the point where we can touch, put our hands on something that's tangible but spiritual, right? Matter of the heart. You know, I, I hope you, you get this, this message. The sense of touch goes deeper than 
just putting our hands on something on the surface. And the creator God, the creator of time and space itself, this spirit being enters into his creation as the son, as Christ, to reconcile us to himself. Because, hear me out here, okay? There is a war going on. And the biggest part of the battle is right behind your own eyes, man. Be reconciled to God, please, through Jesus Christ, alright? Take the red pill so that we can push through those layers, man. And, and really know love on a deeper bedrock kind of level. So I shall say farewell with some Matrix soundtrack. Listen, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I love you guys. Listen, man. You struggle. You're listening. I get it. I, I love you. I do. Please keep me in your prayers. Until next time. is a listener supported podcast anything that you could give to the cause helps go to the website asi247.org and you can donate from there if you want to mail in a donation uh, send me an email russ at asi247.org I will send you an address to send that to if you'd like to do something non-financial to help the show, to help the cause, leave a review on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. Click the thumbs up button or subscribe to the podcast with uh, the favorites button on Stitcher Radio if you're listening there. Man, keep me in your prayers. The most important thing you can do in this economy, this spiritual economy, right? financial on a deeper level it is to keep uh, keep this ministry in your prayers William. love you guys later the matrix is everywhere it is all around us even now in this very room you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television you can feel it when you go to work when you go to church when you pay your taxes it is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. I think I heard a shot!
what you're trying to do. Trying to free your mind. But I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through it. What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Neil. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. Take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you, where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you.